This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Welcome to Work Minus. Today, our guest is Laron Barton. He's a writer and speaker, and we're talking today about Work Minus hiring discrimination. Hi, Laron. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Know yourself? I'm doing excellent. I'm really excited to talk to you. I want you just to tell us about yourself and introduce yourself, and then we'll get into our topic a little bit. So give us the background. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Laron Barton. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a writer and speaker living in San Francisco, California. Um, I am originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And, um, you know, I write a lot about race, mass incarceration, politics. Um, um, I write about uh, business, uh, environmental racism, uh, as well as, uh, as well as dating. Um, I've been published in Rankin Tourist, uh, Salon.com, Ravishly, Black Enterprise, The Good Men Project. Uh, I've appeared on, on Al Jazeera, and I've also, uh, done a TEDx speech, how I overcame my Fear of fear, fear of stuttering. I also am a uh, network engineer as well. I've I've been in IT for nearly twenty years. So talking about this subject was really sort of like near and dear to my heart. You know, it it's definitely personal because I I really want to see the industry change. All right, so this is great. We're going to have a good talk about this. I want to start off with an article that I read of yours first, which is about about culture fit and about how usually we think of culture fit as something like it's a good thing. You want to make sure that people fit into what you have going on, but it's actually a way to kind of almost hide some discrimination policy. So give us a synopsis of that article. Right. So I was approached by Rancator, which is a great business uh, website, I'm sorry, business journal out of, um, out of London. And, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they approached me about writing about, you know, discrimination in Silicon Valley and you know, I was I was excited because this is something that I've been wanting to wanting to touch on for the longest. Um, being in San Francisco, which is you know the technological hub of America, I'm, I'm surrounded by so many companies such as Twitter, Facebook, Google, Apple, Yahoo, eBay, uh, and you know, Pinterest, and et cetera, et cetera. And the numbers behind the hiring, I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean, like Facebook has a it has an employee staff of a little over 4,000 people. And there's about 80 black folks that work there. Um, I believe Google's at 2% black Facebook's at 3% black. And so we're, and so we're wondering like, why are so few black people working in these, uh, in these companies? And so I just, I sort of thought back to, to whenever I would interview at a company or tech firm, they would always stress culture. Fit. Well, you know, you have to fit the culture here. You know, you, uh, you know, we have a certain work culture here or, you know, our culture at, uh, at this company is blah, blah. And so I just found that that was a new way to sort of, uh, discriminate against people and sort of like block them from saying, Oh, well, you know, yes, his on paper, he or she was fantastic, but they didn't really fit the work culture. And so I, I wanted to investigate that. And so what I, so, so what I did, Neil, was I spoke to uh, a couple people within the industry, as well as I recalled my time in the industry. And it all sort of matched up that it's this combination of, of, you know, working with the people that you know, but also working with the people who are like you. And anytime that I've been in business, Neil, I know that the best, um, 
the best outcomes, the best projects, the best decisions come from when there's teams of people from all different parts of life, right? You know, you know, whether it be different ages, different races, different, different gender, different sexual or, or orientations. It's just that we need this to be as diverse as possible to not only make the, and the environment uh, susceptible to new ideas, but to also make, make the environment comfortable, you know, um, just to keep it all the way live there. It's no fun being the only black person there. Like, you know, when, you know, like when you're in a, say like 50, like 50 white, 50 white people, and you're like one of the two black people, like that's, that's kind of, kind of uncomfortable. And so that's what we as black people sort of have to, have to go through. And, you know, that it, it, it's something broken there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what that was like for you to go through all those hiring rounds. What are some things that especially white people may not even realize is going on in those situations? Well, I mean, like, for, you know, like, first off, like, you know, what I, uh, you know, what I find is, is that, look, people congregate with people who are like them, right? You know, which is, I mean, you know, that's, that's somewhat natural. Like, you know, we all sort of hang, hang within our groups. And what I found was just like a lot of, uh, you, you, you know, just like culturally ignorant, you know, comments. You, you like, I mean, gosh, uh, Gosh, was uh, was one that I was told uh, when I interviewed this guy named Paul named Paul Clark, who worked at a who worked at a startup in San Francisco. You know, because he was black, his coworkers automatically thought that he lived in Oakland. Or when I, or you know, when I worked at a at a at a Fortune five uh, Fortune five hundred company, people were uh, people were surprised that 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 I didn't live in a ghetto or, you know, people were surprised that, Oh my God, you traveled really? Uh, I mean, it's, it's almost like, uh, these, uh, these stereotypes that, you know, being black is, is, is lesser or, or, or we're just, or we just, we're just born out of like the struggle, which is, uh, which is true to a certain extent, but it's, 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 it's almost like we were never thought of as, uh, getting the position based on our merits, right? You know, uh, America wants to espouse this, this thought of, of meritocracy, but whenever we get there, we, uh, we have, we have to be a quote unquote diversity hire or like, you know, we, we've, we've got to get in there because of affirmative, affirmative action, not because we have skills. I mean, not only did I, did I, did I go to college, but, I, uh, but I told a CCNA, um, I have my CWNA, which is certified wireless network administrator. So, you know, I, you know, I, I have these skills, you know, I deserve to be here. So whenever white folks talk about this topic, we always will say like, okay, we didn't mean to do anything. There wasn't anything intentional about that. Coming from your side of things, how does that sound to you? Does it sound like we're just trying to make excuses? Do you believe that? Or does it sound like it's just talk? I, you don't know, to be honest with you, Neil, I think that it just sounds like excuses because the, the, the reason why that I say this is because this train of thought has been happening for so long over and over years, 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 and years. You know, in the piece, I, uh, I talk about how, um, uh, believe the, uh, the founder of, uh, of McAfee, which is, uh, uh, which is an antivirus, uh, uh, software company. He said that, uh, when, uh, when there was push to um, to 
have more black people and more, you know, Latinos and Asians hired, he said, uh, he said, man, like, I'm not, uh, I'm not with the quota. Like, and, 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 and it's just like, wow, like, you, you know, even when we're trying to bring this, bring a problem, you know, to someone's a, a, attention, it's looked at as an attack. And like, you know, that, you, you know, that's, you know, that's the amazing thing. It's like, in, instead of dialogue, right. And, instead of like two people just sort of listening and sort of res- sort of res- responding, there's this feel of just like, okay, I'm being, uh, I'm being attacked. I'm going to shut down. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. And that's one of the, um, that's one of the problems that we have when we discuss this, uh, this issue, because it seems that uh, many white people are, are always being put on, um, put on the defensive. And so they're going to start attacking us, but we're just basically trying to, um, highlight a real problem. Yeah. Talk more about, you said it was very uncomfortable being the only black person in a group and a team or different things. What is that like to feel like that? And what are things that your team members or other people could have done to make it easier on you? Being the only black person, uh, in a, uh, in an environment, for one, you're uh, you're always going to be that quote unquote black spokesperson, right? So you, so I mean, you know, if you know if something happens, not you know nationally, you know if you know if something racist happens, or you know if someone says something, like you know, they're always coming back to ask you, well, uh, uh, well, uh, well, Leron, what do you what do you think? It's almost like you're you're going to represent every black person, and I mean, you know, that just gets really that just gets really tiring. Or when, uh, or when something uh, racist happens within the, or something offensive happens within the, uh, within the, uh, within the company, and if you, you know, make a, and, and if you make a stink of it, you could then be shunned and you can then be isolated. So it, so it's almost like, well, you know, you're, you're going into an environment where you know that you're going to experience. Uh, some type of microaggression, you're going to experience some type of uh, racist um, sort of, I I don't want to say attack, but you're going to experience some type of racist, I'm sorry, racist incident that you're going to have to uh, sort of negotiate with. um, My friend, uh, my friend Alicia and I, we, uh, we talk about this. It's, uh, it's called the negotiation, right? So, Let's say, you know, we, you know, eight hour shift, right? And we, uh, and we experience at, at least one or two racial mi- uh, microaggressions a, uh, a week, right? We have to, de- we have to decide, okay, is this worth, you know, fighting for? Is this worth losing my job over? You know, these are the things that black people and other non-white people have to, uh, have to, have to deal with. We have to decide, all right, is it, uh, is this bad enough? And that's really, uh, and that's really sad because that takes a mental toll on you to the point where at some point you're going to be sort of beat down and you, and you know, you, you know, your work is, you know, your work is going to suffer. You know, you, you know, you could have, uh, sort of these mental, mental bouts of, uh, you know, of just anxiety and feeling, uh, and feeling less. So, uh, so, I mean, you know, those are, those are some of the, some of the things about, you know, um, 
being the only black person. Also, one thing I would like to highlight, Neil, is, is about gaslighting, which for those who, who don't know what that is, that's just, let's say that, um, you know, Neil, I tell you, listen, like, you know, I, I felt like this person was, you know, was saying something that could be considered racist. And you tell me, oh, Lamont, you know, he didn't mean it like, you know, like, like that. You're just taking this too far. You need to really think about what he said. He would, he would do that. So what you're telling me is that my experience does not, uh, does not exist. My, uh, my experience is, uh, is wrong instead of actually believe me, but considering that I'm 40 years, 40 years years old and I, you know, being, you know, being black in America, I experience racism on a regular basis. So instead of believing me, and having my back, you disregard everything that I just said and everything that that I uh, that I experienced. And you'd be surprised. Like if you talk to you know women, you talk to you know black people, let Latinos, Asians, and you ask them how many times a day, how many times a week they're gas they're gaslighted. I guarantee you, you will not have time to time to listen to uh, listen to all the. All, all of the, all of the incidents because it happens so regularly. So Neil, what happens is that a lot of times things are just are just, are, are just not even reported. How does it feel for you to be? You know, we're on the cusp of 2020 right now. It seems like I think it's easy for us to slip into it. Those who are in the majority to feel like, okay, we've progressed a lot, we've made a lot of progress, but in other ways, it feels like, man, we have not moved an inch. So, what does it feel like? for you and your perspective to still be talking about these topics and, and this kind of depth and to have those same numbers like you talked about, 2%, 3% of people working in these companies. Uh, what is that like for you? Um, for me, so I um, so I, I don't want to sound like uh, uh, ne- uh, negative Nancy. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is my life. This is what it is to be black in America. So you have to understand, like, San Francisco has, a, has an unemployment rate for black men over 50%. Think about that. Like that's, that's an incredible number, right? We live in a city where it's a, I, I like to call it, I like to call it liberal racism, right? So you have people who are, you know, anti-Trump because Trump isn't, isn't over uh, rape being like racist. He's over white, white supremacist, but these same people who are, who are, who are anti-Trump, they don't have a problem with uh, with gentrifying the mission, right? They don't have a problem with uh, with saying, "Oh, well, you know, um, as soon as we move into a neighborhood, we're we're going to change the uh, change the entire di- entire dynamic of it. We're uh, we're going to call the police on you." Um, so this is my entire life. This is all that I this is all that I know. So I, I don't I don't know of any. Uh, of anything else, well, you know, which is a, you know, which is a sad, which is a sad thing. I mean, it's like, you know, you would think that, look, I'm not saying that we have not progressed, but saying that, uh, saying that we've made prog- progress. And, and I remember this is something that Chris, that Chris Rock said, he said, saying that we've made progress means that the, uh, means that we're at fault when there are so many, um, Coming out of you know places like the University of Nor- of Northern Alabama, the University of of Illinois, the, the the University of Missouri, and we're not being and we're not being hired. There's qualified candidates coming out of 
HBCUs, like black people can't code here, you know, and this is something that I talk about in, in my, in my, in my talk that I'm, that I'm, that I'm going to give, Neil, it's all about social capital. And that is a concept that I learned when I, when I moved to the Bay Area, you know, which is, it's, it's just a hyper, uh, a hyper realized version of, of connecting and and it's not about what you know but it's who you know and so with the social capital that comes in creating a work culture where it's like you know if if you never hung out with me at stanford then why should i get you a job right or if or you know if you don't live in this particular neighborhood then you know why should i get your job i mean the um the young man paul in the uh in the art, in the article I, I, I wrote, he said, you know, people got mad at him because he didn't listen to Radiohead, and I'm like, Radiohead is like one of the one of the most overrated bands in the entire <laughs> in the entire world. I'm sorry, like I give me Queen over Radiohead any 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 day, but but uh, but but it's just but it's just things like it's just things like that. I mean, like what about really, um, what about hiring? based off based off of skill there was a uh there was a post that was highlighted last week on link on link on linkedin i don't know if if you've seen it but there was a company that, and this was in the technological sector and this kind of proof this kind of proves my point there was a company that the job listing was you know you know candidate must have x y and z preferably caucasian and really in the yeah, put that in the job description, wow. and, and I was and I was like, wow, like you know, I mean, just blatant. So, you know, that's what we're dealing with, man. Wow, that's incredible. I want to talk about another article you wrote that was about code switching, which is a similar topic. When it comes to that, do you feel pressured to kind of put on your your best white language whenever you're you're interviewing or doing your job or even coming on this podcast? Do you feel like you're having to talk in a different way and and code switch? No, because um, because I realized that you know at the end of the day, I uh, I am who I am, right? So, you know, I'm LeRon Barton. Look, man, like I I have articles, I have podcasts. They're out there. If you want to Google me, you know, you you know, you can find out. This is uh, this is what I think. This is who I this is who I am. You know, I it's one of those it, it's one of those things, you know, where it's like when I was younger. I would feel like that I would have to sort of switch up who I am. And it was, it, it's kind of like uh, the duality of man, right? So, you know, you have to be one way for this, for, for this group and another way for this group. And so when I, I was about say like 33 and I just decided, I was like, you know what? No, like I am, I am who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to change now. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be chanting Snoop Dogg lyrics uh, in a company boardroom, but uh, but it's like at the same uh, but it's like at the same time, I refuse to really alter who who uh, who 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 I am. I can um, I can say words like apathy, antiquated, um, metamorphosis, at this, this in the same breath as I, as a as a as I say that's what's up. I can dig it that's who I am. And so it's all about being authentic, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things where, where it's, it's like being a black person, like, you know, we're, we're automatically bilingual. Right. So it's, so it's like the way 
you know, you may talk with, you know, your, you know, your friends, um, on, on a Saturday night is, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're taught not to talk that way to your friend, uh, to your work colleagues and to white people on a Monday on, on a, on a Monday morning. It's a controversial topic because when I released the article, Neil, a lot of people from all races cheer, cheer me on, but you know, there were some people who sort of hit, who sort of hit back and said, well, you wouldn't talk to your mom that mom that way. You, um, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't go to an inter- an interview that, that, that way. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I kind of would, but it's, but it's, 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 it's that delicate, uh, balancing act. It's, I believe, as I said in the article, it's walking the tightrope. Yeah. Laurent, what's one thing that people, we use the term ally sometimes in some of our other shows yeah. about people who are in that, that privileged culture trying to say, right. look, I, I want to stick my neck out for uh, other people right. that are out there. If I look at somebody who is in a predominantly white culture where that's the privileged, what can they do to be an ally for minorities and specifically for, let's say, young minorities who are trying to get jobs, who, right. who don't have the benefit of having a bunch of articles and things under their name, but are just trying to get their feet wet and get started on things. What's the best thing we can do? So a couple of things. First off, like being an ally, it's, a, it's like integrity, right? Like integrity and ally, it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same thing. And, you know, my definition of integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Right. So, you know, if you see a cash register open with like five hundred dollars, you know, you just don't you know, you just don't take it. Like I there was a guy uh, a couple a couple days ago, he he dropped a lot of money and I returned it to him and, and I you know, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I thought twice, but <laughs> uh, maybe maybe three times. Uh but uh, <laughs> but I mean like uh I returned it to him because that's the right thing to do. So to be an ally, num- number one is speak up for us when we're not in the room. You know, a lot of times black people and other non-white people, we're not going to have a chance to, uh, to be in that, to be in that room. And so, um, speak up for us. You know, I, I went to, uh, I went to a talk and, uh, and a woman was talking about, uh, you know, how men can stand up for women. And she said something really important. She said, men should advocate for women, meaning not I mean not only stick up for us, but say great things uh, about us, promote us. Um, I think that specifically in the hiring region, I think that we need to look outside of MIT, Stanford, and Berkeley. Listen, those are great schools. I would have loved to went to Stanford, MIT, or Berkeley, but there are equally intelligent people, you know, coming out of like coming coming out of like UMKC, coming out of um, um, University of Indiana. Um, where the Hoosiers are, right? You know, there are, you know, there are people going to the, going to the, going to the University of, I believe, um, Arkansas, Arizona. We need to sort of look outside of these traditional networks because that's how you start to get, uh, get different kinds of people in. And, um, and also, man, uh, you know, mentor, like, um, I, so, I, as an older black male, I have, uh, it's a priority. It is, uh, it is something that I have to do. Uh, and one of the things is, is that I have to help the youth that, uh, that come, uh, that, that come after me. It doesn't matter what color, like I would help a white child, a, a white kid straight out of college 
as quickly as, as I would help the black kid straight out of college. The only difference is, is, is that the white kid coming straight out of college is not really going to need my help as much as the black kid. So I think that uh, by helping to open the door much, much wider. And finally, then, just like if you are in a situation and, you know, I call this crunch time. If you're in a situation where, you know, and this happens in a holiday time, you know, family, you know, family dinners, whatever, whatever. So if you're in a situation and if you hear someone say something racist, challenge, challenge them, you know, say, you know, say straight up, hey, uh, hey, hey, listen, that's not OK. Like we need to make work environments very comfortable for anyone of any race, of any gender, of any sexual orientation, just any ethnicity come in and and work because a happy worker is uh, is a great is a great worker and and you're a happy worker because you don't have to worry about you know someone accusing you of stealing because you're because you're black you know you don't have to worry about someone making uh making a uh, a joke about ins because you are a latino like we need to cut that out and we need to have people stand up be an uh, be an advocate, like you know, be an ally, uh, be an ally, and that's tough, Neil, because you know, you can lose uh, you can lose friends, but dude, that's that's people that you don't need in your life. Yeah, no, I really like uh, especially about the part about doing it when there's no one else in the room, or, or when there's no black person in the room or other minority, like. Even if you're on a team where there are no minorities or there are no women or something like that, you can still start to cultivate that ground and start to prepare it so that when someone comes in, that people are already ready. It's not like, okay, now we have a black person on the team, so now we need to start acting right. Exactly, man. You like lay that foundation so when you start to build the structure, it's not wobbly. It's already strong. Well, excellent. Uh, Laurent, we could go on for a long time, but I want you just to tell people how they can stay in touch with you, where are all your writings put up. Yes. You know, man, this has been an awesome comment conversation man i really appreciate it um you can find me at www.laronbarton.com um i am on twitter at mainline Laron. Um, i'm on link i'm on linkedin um i also have a professional facebook writing page uh, Laron l barton and i'm on instagram at Laron l barton <laughs> um you know i've really i really enjoyed this this conversation and you know, if anyone wants to wants to continue this, if you liked what I had to say, if, if if you didn't, please go to my website, shoot me an email. Let's just keep the nasty grams at at uh, nil. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm you know, definitely like, yeah, man, like you def- definitely had a great time, man. Cool. No, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing all your stories with us. I appreciate it. Definitely, man. You guys take care. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been the Work Minus Podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode. You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace. 